CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Dr. Will Cole, leading functional medicine expert and best-selling author. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What is up, everyone? It's Dr. Will Cole, and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine expert. I consult people around the world via webcam. I started one of the first functional medicine telehealth centers in the world over a decade ago, and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote a few books, Ketotarian, The Inflammation Spectrum, and Intuitive Fasting. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, the books, you can check all that good stuff out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. Let's get to today's brilliant guest. He is a dear friend of mine. I love him so much. His name is Dan Churchill. He is the executive chef at Charlie Street, a fast casual restaurant in Nolita in Manhattan. He holds a master's in exercise science and strength and conditioning. He was born on the beaches of Sydney, Australia, and currently resides in the wonderful New York City. Dan is the author of three amazing books and has appeared on notable programs such as ABC's Good Morning America and The Today Show. He has his own series on the Discovery Network called Feast with Friends, as well as his own production company called The Epic Table. His podcast of the same name focuses on performance, health, and food, and it launched a few years ago, and it's such a good podcast. I think I was on that podcast two or three times. I love it so much. Every time I get to catch up with Dan. We talk about how Dan combined his passion for strength and conditioning with the world of cooking to help others improve their individual athletic performance. We talk about Dan's personal fitness routine, what it looks like, and how he finds balance in the challenge. We talk about the impact of fitness versus food for success in performance and physiology. We talk about Dan's food steps to get the most out of your diet and cooking. We talk about what a day in the life of Dan Churchill looks like and how he balances food and workouts and typical fitness mistakes that people make and how Dan recommends fixing them. And we talk about Dan's number one tip for the art of being well. 
Let's get to today's conversation with my friend, Dan Churchill. Bromance, it's official. You're on the show. It's happening. You're in it's my uh, heart and now you're on the show. Oh man, it's a pleasure, <laughs> to, pleasure to be here, dude. Like, oh, I know you and I chat off, oh, we chat all the time. So it's uh, now everyone can just hear our thoughts that we discuss with each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so fill people in. Like most people know who Dan Churchill is, but for the random person under a rock, where, who is Dan Churchill? What's your ethos? Yeah. So I guess, man, the, the best way to sum it up is I'm a chef, um, specifically I'd, I'd say a performance chef and very much like you, I am so just inspired by the well, um, the way that food is so connected to us. And my job is to essentially bridge the gap between performance and cooking and allow people to find ways through food to truly uh, improve their human performance. So that's what I do. I provide it in all forms of assets, just like you. Mm -hmm. And I get to meet people like yourself, whether it be, uh, you know, podcasting through the brands I get to work with. But uh, we live in an awesome world, man. We live Mm -hmm. in an awesome world. Yes, we do. Certainly do. And your podcast is called the Epic Table Podcast. I've been on the show. It's an amazing show. And I love it because you have these conversations that are just organic. You're an easy person to talk to. So you're having these really enriching conversations. But at least when I was on, I don't know if you do this for everybody, but we were cooking something on the show. (laughs) <laughs> uh, which I've never actually done on a podcast before, which is, I've, it, it was, got me out of my comfort zone. It was cool. I love well, it. Man, you're, you're actually pretty good behind the pans. But, uh, <laughs> it's always good to have a point of difference and it connects us all. But yeah, like you and I get to talk, you know, anti-inflammatory. We obviously spoke about, you know, ketotarian, uh, you're awesome. Your new book coming out. It's going to be exciting too. If you're, you know, it's, it's kind of like one of those things, man, where food is such a beautiful thing that connects all of us. And so I just want to make sure that when people are working with it, it's fun and exciting. Mm-hmm. And obviously the byproduct is it can also be educational. Yeah. Yeah. And, and bring, bring people together. That's it. Very much Absolutely. so. How did you get into food? Like what, and what came first? Was it food or fitness, or did yeah. they both happen at the same time for you? Well, so professionally, fitness happened first, but uh, practically, cooking happened first. So I was cooking since I was about 11 or 12 years old uh, with my family. And then when I was, uh, you know, getting, when I finished high school, did not know what I wanted to do, but I loved being exercised, I loved fit, being fit, I loved sport, I loved rugby. And so I went and, uh, I went and actually did an undergraduate degree in exercise science and then realized that I wanted to be more specific in, in human performance. So I went and did a strength and conditioning master's degree in exercise science and nutrition. And so what that allowed me then to do was work with athletes. Along the way, I was still cooking at home, uh, you know, just doing home-cooked meals but it wasn't until I realized that there was a disconnect between nutritionists and athletes. Not that information was wrong, but the just inability to sometimes relate the athlete to the, you know, the information that uh, they were saying. So my job was I could relate to athletes because I was training with them uh, and telling them what to do and they trusted me on that part. But then I also knew what the nutritionists were saying. So I just mm-hmm. simply merged the gap. I put out recipes. Uh, I started to connect with them, you know, do little home workshops. And then... After that, I, uh, I realized I was putting a cookbook together. So I did self-published a couple of cookbooks and started to do some TV in Australia. 
And my life went from being in this, you know, S and C strength and conditioning worlds and performance to then cooking. So I realized in order to kind of really back up my credibility, I had to jump into kitchens. So I uh, then became a professional chef, worked my way up the line, starting right from dishes, you know, porter all the way up. And uh, then I got some opportunities in America through book deals and, and TV and moved over here five years ago and just kind of kept it going from there. So I've then merged the two even further, you know, working with athletes specifically on their food, uh, obviously taking into account their, their where they move, the energy expenditure they take into account. And then broadly, it's extended right into the human individual um, who mm -hmm. aren't just athletes and everyday individuals who want to improve their human performance. Obviously, that's where the podcast comes from. It's why mm -hmm. I get to meet people like you, mate. And you know, we look at like anti-inflammatory, we, uh, we look at everything from, you know, how we can prevent beta cells from being affected and then how that can be a catalyst for, you know, ultimately improving your human performance. Mm -hmm, truly. And you are, I mean, speaking of fitness, you're a fitness beast when I keep <laughs> up with like what you're doing and like, I want to know this because I haven't really talked to you about this. You get up really freaking early in the morning to work out. I see that much. What time are you getting up in the morning to work out? What does a workout entail? Because it seems pretty next level to me. Yeah, dude. So like, my type of, uh, I'm definitely primed for morning and mid morning. So like I know the most important things I need to do for that day are in the morning. I get up around like 5.20 and I, you know, I, uh, I pour myself a coffee and I read. So that's the time where I can get uh, what, some reading done. What are you reading typically? Right now, man, um, all these books on like, you know, anything that's completely informative about our human physiology. So I read your book in the morning. I've, I've read both your books in the morning. I read Mastering Diabetes is a book uh, I'm mm. reading right now. I just read uh, Fiber Fueled. And so my morning informative reads always around human physiology. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it's not yeah. like a self-help or a spiritual book. It's like digging into this yeah. health and like wellness. I find for me, if I'm going to read those kind of books, it's actually going to be in the afternoon more because it relaxes me. But in the morning, I need to, I need to get myself going and I love learning and I love learning yeah. at that time of the day. So then um, following that, I feel I'm I've, you know, really working up and the workouts, man, they'll be varied. But realistically, I love full body workouts. I love you know, treating my body like a roller coaster. Everything from CrossFit style things to just you know, using your own body to you know, be walking around the gym on your hands. Um, but then basic stuff as well, because there's got to be a balance, right? You've got you to make sure that your mobility is just as important as your, um, you know, your activity. So I guess I'll probably work out maybe five to seven times a week, but sometimes I'll be doing two days where one will be like a morning run uh, and the afternoon will be gym and then I'll have two days off completely. So you've got to listen to your body, as you always say. Yeah, very much so. And yeah, I see your maps around New York City. You basically run the whole <laughs> circumference of Manhattan. <laughs> Mate, it's one of the best ways to see this city particularly well, man. It's, uh, you know, go for a run and see everything. According to the World Health Organization, as much as 75% of the U.S. adult population does not meet its daily magnesium needs. Magnesium actually supports over 300 super important essential functions in the human body, regulating our mood, our brain function, fatigue, energy levels, nerve and muscle health, as well as our physical response to stress. What I have been really loving to get my magnesium in for the day is Mellow from my friends at Ned. I love their lavender berry flavor. And it is just my daily maintenance support for my mind, 
for my body and for my mood. So what the heck is Mellow? It is a powerful daily magnesium supplement supercharged with L-theanine, with GABA, and over 70 trace minerals. It's actually crafted from a proprietary blend of three of the most bioavailable or usable forms of magnesium, including the only type shown to cross the blood-brain barrier, i.e. providing our brain all the magnesium it needs to support healthy brain function and calm throughout the body. So how do you take it? You just stir one packet in six to 10 ounces of water every evening or whenever you need to mellow. I take mellow when I'm consulting patients actually throughout the day. I have 11 hours a day I'm consulting patients online. I just open up a packet of mellow, pour it in with water, stir it up. It tastes so good. And they are offering the listeners of The Art of Being Well an awesome deal. Just use code WILLCOLE at checkout for 15% off your first time purchase or 20% off your first subscription order. So just use code WILLCOLE and here's the link. It's helloned.com slash WILLCOLE. Again, that's helloned.com slash WILLCOLE and use code WILLCOLE for 15% off your first one-time purchase or 20% off your first subscription order. Beekeepers Naturals is disrupting the conventional medicine cabinet by creating nature-powered medicine that actually works. My friends at Beekeepers Naturals uses a very special, potent natural ingredient called propolis. And if you haven't heard about propolis yet, it's time to hear what all the buzz is about. Bee propolis acts as the bee's medicine, and it also contains over 300 vitamins and minerals that are beneficial to the human immune system. Take Bee Immune Propolis Throat Spray as a daily ritual to support your immune system or spray to soothe a scratchy, uncomfortable throat. So I'm talking to patients all day long, and then I have the podcast on top of that. I talk a lot. Some would say too much. So if my throat's feeling a little scratchy, I just use a few sprays of the Bee Immune Propolis Throat Spray, calms it down, and really supports my immune system on top of it. And for a limited time, Beekeepers Naturals is offering my listeners an exclusive deal. They will ship you a free two-week supply of Bee Immune Propolis Throat Spray. You just pay $5 for shipping. What the heck? Such a good deal. To claim this deal, you must visit beekeepersnaturals.com slash willcole. This deal is not available on the regular website. So be sure to go to B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S-N-A-T. U-R-A-L-S dot com slash Will Cole. This deal is only available for a limited time. So get on it, my friends. Start prioritizing your immune health today. And if you don't love it, they will actually refund your $5. No questions asked. You can also find Beekeepers Naturals nationwide in over 2,000 stores like Target, Whole Foods, and Sprouts. Talking about food, you and your experience, and I mm -hmm. guess... You know, I don't even know what you're going to say on this, but I, I want to know what your thoughts between fitness and food, what has moved the needle most for you? And then even with clients and just friends that you maybe consulted and coached, what do you think? Is it about 50-50 or is one more of an impactor of your physiology over the other? You know, what's funny, like no one's actually ever asked me that before, my man. Like, and, and as <laughs> I think about it, I'm a chef with the point of difference of having that background in education. I feel that there's many people out there who have the performance side um, who dabble in cooking, which is awesome. But I, I have the, you know, the chef 
you know, I've got a restaurant and restaurant tour, but I've also had that background in performance. So um, I would say it's definitely the food side of things, but ultimately as well, it, it kind of makes sense if you think about it, because what we put into our bodies has got a much greater effect, to be honest, on our you know, how we move. You know, it's, it's I mean, you, this is what you your mantra is, right? So mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I didn't have to tell you or your listeners this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if I was to say what was going to have a greater impact, I feel... You know, connecting people with food and making them truly understand their human physiology and how food plays a role in that. But ultimately, it's got to be tasty. I will say mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Well, I think that that is, to me, when I see what you talk about and your um, philosophy around food uh, is really fresh and innovative. Of course, it's centered around real foods and whole foods because it's you, we have to focus on that. But you have a very unique perspective on this. I think coming from the chef world and the performance world. Um, can you kind of explain to people what is your food philosophy? How could they lean in sort of a Dan Churchill perspective on food? Yeah, sure, man. So I think the, 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 to break it down to simple steps. So number one, as a whole, I just don't use refined sugar in my cooking in any way. So I just don't use it. And that's always you know, been applicable to everything that I do. Step two is, as you said, whole food advocacy. So working with plenty of color, plenty of dietary fiber. And then essentially the third thing is listening to your gut, right? So whilst you and I can tell people what to eat, ultimately we're not their microbiome. Mm -hmm. And so we would say, go have some legumes uh, and not everyone can digest them. As you are you know, talking about so much with everything that you do and the reason why people come to you individually, not as a group cohort. So, you know, biotype and, and, and everything that goes on internally is really important for you to know you are an individual. The next thing I'd say to that though is when it comes to all these different things that we uh, have going on, whether it be keto, paleo, plant-based, you know, vegetarian, I, I believe, and looking at the consistent research across the board, if you look at every single one of these specialists and their, their, their research, the one commonality we have is simple. Eat more plants. Whether or not you have proteins or not, some people do require them, but whether or not you do, just eat more diversity of plants. And that's mm-hmm. the number one thing that I'm trying to do with all my cooking means. Now, whether you want to eat chicken or not, just let's make sure you have a, an abundance of color throughout the week and, and mm-hmm. be dynamic with it because that will feed your gut microbiome, which eventually helps you know transform into those short chain fatty acids that you need. That's uh, simple mm-hmm. methods. Yeah, that's well said. Succinct and these are the foundational things that people need to lean, lean into. Mm. So I want to go, you're a fit guy. You're, you're, you live what you teach. What is a day in the life <laughs> after that workout? Are you doing a fasted workout or are you after the coffee? Are you like, take me through like a typical day. I know every day is different, but what's yep. a typical day in life of food and work? I, I want to know this. Yeah. Just, dude, walk this me through your life. So, <laughs> so for me, man, like I, uh, I probably fast four days of the month. So like there'll be four days where I'll fast just straight up. But generally speaking, I'm having a fasted workout. So what I'll do is I'll do a, I'll get up, have that black coffee and then I will go do the gym. Gym starts at, you know, 6.15 at the gym done by 7.30 and then I'm at work by eight. So I generally speaking, get everything done that I need to for me before the day starts. So 8 a.m., I've had, you know, two hours of me, reading, workout, done. Then the, then the day starts and I generally 
We'll have another coffee when I get to work because the coffee at Charlie Street is pretty bang on. And then I'll probably let that sit for a bit before having my first meal. Now, my first meal, particularly after a really big workout, will be a combination of either our uh, oatmeal, which have uh, different toppings on it, mm-hmm. or I'll get an assortment of like a brekkie plate that we have, which can be mushrooms, our plant-based chorizo that we have, this tomato chili jam, uh, maybe a couple of poached eggs, some sourdough. And so then I'll probably space that out. And so then on my next meal will be uh, a seasonal plate or a seasonal bowl. And that'll be about around 12, 30, one o'clock. And then again, I'll eat probably, if I know I'm going to be doing a second workout, I'll, I'll actually have uh, probably more like a banana and peanut butter situation for a snack around three, three o'clock. And after that, I'll have an espresso. Then I'll, uh, I'll be having plenty of water, by the way, throughout the day, smash my workout, have a shake and then do dinner. That's a realistic day. Depending on how much energy I know I'm going to expend, or either update, uh, upregulate it, or downregulate it. So you're looking at, you know, four meals definitely, and then the size and, and the variability of those will just change day to day. Got it. So are you tracking macros? Do you kind of intuitively know at this point what macros they are? Or yeah, I've never been personally big on tracking macros. Not because I don't believe in it, but. I sit down to enjoy a meal, not too much. I love it. And so, yeah, I agree with you. It comes very arduous and yeah. obsessive. Yeah. I think for a time you, to learn, because people, you're trained in this stuff. You kind of mm. understand how food fuel, fuels you. Many yep. people don't. I think for a time, those apps can be good. Yeah. But I agree. Like we should be enjoying food and not be super obsessive about it. Dude, there's so many emotional wins with eating. Serotonin, endorphins, all these wonderful things that... You know, if you guys listening in right now want to know more about, just listen further to everything that Dr. Cole says, because, you know, this is everything he's always championing. And for me, it's like, that is, that is the thing you cannot just, you just cannot avoid that. And when we sit down to have that meal, the, the way the brain lights up with excitement to enjoy whatever tastes and flavors around, you know, either yourself or people you love, it is so important. It is imperative. So for me, Yes, the nutritional aspect is important, but I feel like we're too dialed in with that and not enough dialed in with the endocrine system, which is uh, you know huge for me. Mm-hmm, certainly. So and let's talk about Charlie Street real fast. So mm. you mentioned the coffee. It is amazing. It's one of my favorite places to go in New York. And I had, I've loved everything here. My kids, when I bring my kids to New York with me for work, they love it too. But I had, I can't forget, remember the name of it, but I, it was like the gluten-free toast I think I had with, eggs and the, the plant-based trees. What, what was the name of it? It's like naughty something or yeah, the naughty eggs, man. You had the naughty, naughty eggs. eggs. Yes. Yeah. 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 Listening yeah. in, everyone had, uh, Dr. Will Cole had the naughty eggs. It uh, suits his amazing, amazing personality. <laughs> <laughs> That's my street name is naughty yeah. egg. Yeah. Naughty eggs. <laughs> but I mean, what is the, What did I have? It tastes delicious, but what was on that plate? And yeah, yeah it was so good. Thanks, man. Yeah, so it's uh, you, you eat gluten-free uh, toast, this uh, roast garlic hummus. Um, so, you know, legumes obviously in there, nice roast garlic number, blitz with um, extra virgin olive oil. And then we uh, spread that on the, the, the toast, which is nice and crispy. Then we have our chorizo, which is completely abundant in plants. You know, it's plant-based and it's got a nice little kick to it in spice uh, and fermented pastes as well, which is really cool. Topped off with a couple of poached eggs, mate, if, uh, if you want. And then you've got some chili oil just to run it down. And some people slap on some avocado too. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, totally up to them. So good. And I think I had a matcha latte or something like that with there it. There you go. Some Earl Grey tea. It was really good. 
Um, so, okay, when you are obviously cooking and you are a chef, but for people that are maybe intimidated by the kitchen, what are some simple things that they can lean into to not be so like uh, afraid of it? Honestly, that's a that's such a. Uh, it sounds like such a standard question, but it's so like not asked enough. And I feel that yeah. cooking is something that is intimidating to a lot of people. But let's break this down for a second. Cooking's not the intimidating part. It's the thought of failure, and it's the thought of burning things or maybe intimidated uh, to provide for your loved one or a guest or even yourself. And I think the most important thing is number one: if you're cooking for someone they're going to be grateful. And if they're not, you know, make sure you set them straight. You are yeah. cooking for someone that is not in any way to be denied. So the thing with cooking is cooking is basic. It is simple. It's searing something in a pan, uh, you know, learning to essentially cook with something that is enjoyable and tasty is super crucial. But I think this is how I'd break it down. Firstly, think of what you love. Think of what foods you really love. Think of a recipe that you love. Step two, go research that recipe. It's okay to use a recipe to help you go through. I know a lot of people say, well, I followed recipes and it didn't work out. I'm like, well, that's fine, but just keep persisting. That's my next tip. You're not going to necessarily get it every single time. And that's where people fail. Cooking is something that does take time to understand. So I build recipes that I want people to understand the ingredients. Why? Because I want them to learn a number of different ways they can cook with that ingredient. So when they go to the supermarket, they can pick up a capsicum or a pepper and be like, oh, I know how to use this because Dan showed me four different techniques and I don't have to go to a recipe because I'm just going to make that with that tomato sauce that I also got to learn how to make. Now, that does take time. But to break this down real simple, what do you love? cook what you love. You're going to enjoy the excitement of cooking something you love, whether it be simply a pasta, eggs, you know, the eggplant dish that you always love. Step number two, do your research on a recipe. And number three, practice. I know that sounds so simple, practice. Sidebar, have someone who's going to do the dishes as a result of you <laughs> cooking because that's always an even better win. Yeah, and win. Uh, yeah. trust me, you get better at learning how to clean as you go. So that's always a win for them as well. <laughs> I love it. That's good stuff. So what, as a chef, and you've cooked so many different things, like what's your favorite dish to cook and why is it your favorite? Yeah, you know, it's really you important you ask the why. Yeah, uh, why is it? Okay, so as I told you, Will, and you know this with me, Cooking is a beautiful act. It is my it is my downtime, but it's also very nostalgic to me. It brought out so many connections with me when I was younger, growing up. My family, I love my family. Whenever I'm cooking this dish, it reminds me of when I had sat down with them at the table and they're critiquing this dish. And this may not sound like the healthiest thing in the world. It's definitely not aligned typically with what I'm used to be doing. But my spaghetti bolognese is so nostalgic so comforting to me that it reminds me of my time growing up and learning to cook. That That is my favorite dish. It's also undoubtedly really, really tasty. Uh, you know, if, especially if I'm making fresh spaghetti, which is fun as hell to make. What entails it? What makes it so mm. delicious? Can you divulge that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm about to go into classic, almost like sex 
method chat on recipes. So here we go. <laughs> so you get pretty good at this. All right. So first thing first, you're going to add crushed garlic into a dry pan. This is step number one and tip number one. You're going to add the garlic before adding the olive oil. Why? Well, you're going to add the olive oil in a nice thin ribbon because what happens is as you add a little bit of olive oil at a time, it completely, completely absorbs the flavor of the garlic, particularly under a moderate heat. So over time, about two minutes, that will start to sizzle away. Nice little slow, sexy sizzle. You're going to add in your finely chopped onion. And the chop, the finely you chop this, the better because then you get more surface area of your onion to touch the heat, which brings out an even sweeter textural flavor. We get a nice little translucent color and get golden brown. From there, you're going to add in whatever choice of either meat, mushroom, or you know any form of next base that you want. You're going to get that to a nice little golden brown the point where it gets those little crispy edges. And when you just think it's going to get too dry, you're going to add in your roast tomatoes. Now you can do this a couple of ways. You can go simple can with the, the ideally the San Marzano tomatoes, whole, peeled, or you can roast them yourself in the oven and then add them along with some beautiful tomato paste. From there, you're going to add in your fresh basil or basil, your fresh oregano or oregano, along with your dried basil and oregano, salt and pepper, red wine vinegar, and just let that simmer away. If it needs a little bit more water, add a little bit more water. And from there, you're going to put a lid on top, allow to simmer for an extra, you know, if you can, the longer the better. If you want to leave this overnight, oof, even better. But 30 to 45 minutes is ideal. From there, you can do the awesome thing of just adding salt to boiling water, add in your spaghetti pasta and cook to al dente, or... If you really want to go all out, you can make fresh pasta and cook in you know, under a minute. That is, dude, let me just say this. That was amazing. <laughs> Second of all, I think we need, and I'm going to take credit for this. We need to get connected to Headspace or Calm or one of these meditation apps because you telling me a recipe like activated by parasympathetic resting and digesting state. I don't know if you know that you have that magical power. Yeah, dude, but- I'll take it, man. I'll take it. It's like, <laughs> I was, I've, I've done that before actually. And um, I got a couple of, I was doing this for live uh, on Instagram and a couple of texts came through for some friends of mine who said that their friends actually were getting quite orgasmic. So I'm like, I'm doing my job. I'm doing my job. Setting that hormone system going. Yeah. So, mate, if you if you want to do a little side project with me, I don't yeah. know what we already got going we'll, on, we can uh, get it yeah. going. We'll talk about it for for twenty twenty one. We'll talk about it. It can be really hard to find skincare products made with clean and safe ingredients. As you know, our skin is our largest organ, so what we put on our skin is largely absorbed. So you want to make sure that what you're putting on your skin is clean and safe. That's why I'm so excited to be incorporating the Andaria Algae Body Oil in my skincare routine. It is luxurious, it's rich, it's not greasy or sticky, and the ingredients are super clean and it comes in sustainable packaging. Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil instantly moisturizes and replenishes dry skin, leaving every inch silky smooth. Your skin will be left super soft and glowing with Andaria algae, acai pulp, and babasu seed oil. Osea soaks hand-harvested Andaria algae in barrels of oils for up to six months. The result is liquid gold, a rich, never greasy, 
body oil, fragrant with sunny citrus with top notes of sweet passion fruit. Osea creates skin and body care products powered by the sea. They've made clean, safe skincare products since 1996. They are vegan and cruelty-free. Responsibly sourced, plant-derived ingredients, they are good for your skin and good for the planet. They are female-founded, which I love, and family-operated, which I also love, by a mother and daughter team. How cool is that? You can try Asia risk-free for 30 days and get free shipping on orders over $50. They even send free samples with every order. Get on that. And get 10% off your first order with my promo code WILLCOLE at OseaMalibu.com. That's 10% off with code WILLCOLE at OseaMalibu, O-S-E-A-M-A-L-I-B-U.com. Today's program is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the most comprehensive daily nutritional beverage. With so many stressors in life, it's difficult to maintain effective nutritional habits and give our bodies the nutrients it needs to thrive. Our busy schedules, poor sleep, exercise, the environment, stress, or simply not eating enough of the right foods can leave us deficient in key nutrients. This is where Athletic Greens can help. It is a life-changing nutritional habit. Their daily all-in-one superfood powder is your nutritional essential. It is by far the easiest and most delicious nutritional habit that you can add to your daily routine today and empower towards better habits. They simplify the logistics of getting optimal nutrition on a daily basis by giving you one thing with all of the best things. I love it in between consulting patients. It's easy. It's all in one. Just one tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, a multimineral, a probiotic, a green superfood blend, and more that all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, increase your energy levels and focus, aids with digestion, and supports a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products or pills. While most nutritional products come to market and stay stagnant, what I really love about Athletic Greens is that they continue to obsessively improve this one holistic formula based on the latest cutting-edge research producing, get this, 53 improvements over the last decade and counting. They invest in the most absorbable, bioavailable, and natural source of each ingredient and go above and beyond in third-party testing to ensure their customers continue to receive the highest quality and best nutritional habit on the planet. It's lifestyle-friendly no matter how you eat. If you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and it also contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising on taste. And right now, Athletic Greens is offering my audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs of Athletic Greens. What the heck? So whether you're looking for peak performance or just better health, covering your bases with Athletic Greens makes investing in your energy, your immune system, and gut health each day simple, tasty, and efficient. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash and join health experts like me, athletes, and health-conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health every day. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. Speaking of 2021, I mean, you, this year you have, I know, exciting things, some things you can talk about, some things you can't talk about, but exciting things nonetheless. Like what do you, 
have plans for? What do you have hopes for this year after coming out the crazy year that was 2020? Yeah, it's interesting. And I'm sure your listeners can all relate to this. I think 2020 was a really big reflection on your health year. And I think we all can definitely relate to that. It was like, finally, we had time to sleep better. We finally had time to cook more and we had time to focus on ourselves. So Mm -hmm. I'm really appreciative of that. 2021, I've kind of thought about this in a bit, like, what do I want to, what do I want to achieve? And for me, I know there's certain things I definitely want to do. And I've just kind of focused my attention towards small, like not small things, but less things. So I've got some really good partnerships this year. I'm really excited about, got, uh, you know, a couple more restaurant openings and involvements I have with other brands and, you know, designing menus and those kind of things, which throughout 2021 are going to keep me very busy. But uh, there's the particular product that we're launching at Charlie Street, product number one, the chorizo. I'm so excited for people to have this. Uh, It's a plant-based product that you've tasted. It's the naughty eggs, same element there. And this is going to completely really change the way that people are going to look at plants. It's it's good for you and good for the planet, Mm -hmm. easy to work with. So that's, that's one of my key things for next year. Another key thing I'm excited for is the growth, obviously, of the podcast as we continue to, you know, bridge the gap between performance and cooking and got some really cool brands that uh, I'm, I'm almost signed on to, to really, how do I put this, put us to the top where people can truly understand how to cook at home from a performance perspective that is not in any way super weedy, but still informative, if that makes sense. Also a cooking show, but I won't go into that too much. <laughs> and uh, one of these days, we need to do something together. Yeah, I did. I've been just waiting for your call. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready. Maybe 2021 is the year. We'll talk about it. it. We'll talk about it as well. Uh, All right. So we talked about food. We talked a little bit about fitness, but I actually want to go back to fitness right now and talk of somebody, like I mentioned how people are afraid of the kitchen and afraid of failure there. Some people are afraid of failure when it comes to working out and like, oh my gosh, like I, how could I get to Dan Churchill's level? Like it seems so intimidating, so overwhelming. I'm so out of shape or I'm not where I want to be. Like, what are some things that you have learned as far as performance is concerned that people are doing wrong and how can we do it right? Yeah. So let's, let's take a step back first and just, just remember, just like your gut microbiome, your body is completely different as well. So the way you move, your, your alignment, your tightnesses, where your strengths and weaknesses are, is completely individualized to you. So the most important thing is when you're looking at someone who inspires you, still be inspired by the activity they're doing. But remember, it's important for you to know where your limits are and where you can really push it. That's always my byline straight up. But what I will say, similarly to cooking, think of things you really enjoy doing. And I know exercise is kind of weird, but some people actually enjoy doing push-ups. Some people like going for a walk. Some people find, you know, getting a bunch of friends together to play a basketball game is their way of, uh, you know, having fun. Believe it or not, those are all activities that push your heart rate. Now, step number two, I really believe that the likes of, you know, Center and all these fitness apps, which are pretty affordable, but they create a community more importantly. So this is my second point. It's, it's less about the, you know, the resources of the, the, the workouts you get. Make sure you're amongst a community of people who are doing the same thing. 
Why? You're more likely to achieve a goal. This mm-hmm. has been proven when you're amongst people, but also it's relatable. Hey guys, not feeling too good today. Just couldn't quite hit it. They all support you. And the same thing goes on and on. So what I will say is whether it's not center, whether it's center or something else, make sure you're part of a group in some way that is in the same mold looking to achieve something. So that's always number two. Number three, exactly the same as the step three in cooking is practice. You're going to like, you know, and I don't want people to look at a scale and deem that their success. Don't look at a number on the scale. Think about your performance output because unfortunately we rely on the number on the scale to determine our performance too much. When you start to get really, really fit, you've actually stopped losing as much weight because you're converting certain things inside you. Your muscle does weigh more than fat, but you may be getting thinner and you may not realize it, or you may not be putting on the weight you want to for your muscles, but just ultimately don't use a number on the scale Mm -hmm. as your determining factor is if you are getting healthier or not. And that's the most important thing. And remember, health isn't just about what you're eating or what you look like out on the outside. It's also how you feel, how internally you're operating. So to me, Ultimately, if you are happy, you are healthy mm-hmm. because all those parameters are all aligned. Yeah, that's good stuff. So as we're leading into these principles and want to and working out this way, how many times a week do you think, I know it depends on the individual and mm-hmm. listening to their bodies, but like from an effectiveness standpoint, what's yep. a range maybe? You mentioned working out six days a week, five, six days a week, but what's like the average person? What do you expect? What, what, yeah. you, what, 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 to get a results, what do you think? I think three is always like, I'd start, I'd start two to three. You know, okay. you're going to be, if you haven't, like, if you're a former athlete and you haven't done it in a while, three will be something where you, you know, you'll be sore, but you'll pick it up pretty quickly. But if you're someone who's starting from scratch, you may want to do two and then maybe go for a walk, if that makes sense. Cause you're going to be sore and you don't mm-hmm. want to be put off your game by not being able to, you know, I've had people curse me because they couldn't sit down in the toilet for so long. That's fine. <laughs> but you want to still be able to get around. So I'd start off by like thinking of your type of workout. So you don't want to be doing uh, legs, 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 legs. You want to be, you know, doing a a cohort of different things and doing maybe three days a week, progressing eventually to four days, but make sure you're having adequate recovery. Because what happens is if you don't recover quick and if you don't recover efficiently enough, you actually impede your adaptation. So, you know, the, the linear, graph here is that if you are, um, you know, you, if you go back, if you return to sport or return to activity before allowing enough recovery, you will actually negatively adapt. And that's not what you want. Yeah, for sure. So we get to the end of the day, Dan Churchill's day, we're hanging out with Dan all day long. So at the end of the, in the evening, you mentioned sometimes you have these, these self-help books or spiritual books. I don't know if you're Mm. reading any of them currently, Mm. but what are some of the ones that you've edified you in that way, if you could think of any. Yeah, I uh, actually listen to, when I say self-help, I listen to a lot of audiobooks from past leaders or, uh, you know, just in, like, for example, Da Vinci. Leonardo Da Vinci is an interesting dude. Like you learn so much from him. He is well ahead of his time, a plant-based individual himself. And the things he did, this is what's so interesting to me. 
we know him for the things that he did and not for the things we, he didn't do. He was such a, like, he was so heavily influential in how war, um, you know, war machines and things like that were created or like the moat around certain setups of uh, castles and defense mechanisms. And he was a producer for, <laughs> he was a producer for, you know, Broadway. And it just, to me, wow. all that kind of stuff is so comical. But I also listened to Winston Churchill's book, you know, all these individuals who've done such a great job in paving the way, whether, you know, they are uh, stoics or not. I just uh, find yeah. them so interesting to listen to. You're inspired by these people's lives. Absolutely. Yeah. And in a way, like I, I'm not saying I'm Leonardo da Vinci, but he's got yeah. such a diverse way of his life. And to me, it kind of reminds me of how yeah. he handled things the way that yeah. like, I have to do as well. I love history. I, I what's your mm. fa- Do you read a lot of historical like, biographies? History. Yeah, I love history. We, we had to gig out. And, and are you related to Winston Churchill? I never asked you that before. Yeah, I. Uh, so funny story. I've uh, throughout media, I've, I've dropped that in radio interviews okay. before, um, and I've said that he's like my great grandfather. <laughs> and I'm, I'm really good at holding a really straight radio voice, so people like start laughing, and I'm like, oh no, guys, I'm. Sorry, I'm being serious. I know, I know it's not that believable, but and then they're like, "Oh, damn, we're so sorry. We thought you were joking." And I'm like, "No, nah, I'm like, no, nah, it's fine, guys. So I leave it." And then uh, you know, months later, come by, and I'm back on the show, and they're like, "Dan, so last time we had you on, blah blah,", blah. and I'm like, "Yeah, guys, so you know, he's actually not my uh, great grandfather." <laughs> and it's like, it's so funny, it's it's hilarious. So he's not, but I claim he is because he's such an inspiring man. Yeah, he is. I've watched a lot of documentaries on that time period of World War II era, mm. and I'm just getting through. I'm late to the party, but The Crown. Have you ever seen The Crown? <laughs> my sleep has been affected by The Crown. My uh, <laughs> my beautiful girlfriend has uh, started watching The Crown, and all of a sudden, I've been using getting to bed around like 9, 30, 10 o'clock, uh, and my Whoop device is telling me that I had to work on my sleep because I'm getting a bit <laughs> a little later just due to the fact that we're trying to catch up to everyone else. I didn't realize there's so many seasons already. I'm yeah. like, whoa, it's, it's incredible though. It's really incredible. Yeah, it is very much so. I mean, I, I could ask you the next question that came to mind was be like, when are we, when are you getting married to your lovely girlfriend? But You're going to drop that on your podcast, dude? <laughs> You're going to drop that right now? She's, oh. You know she loves you. She's going to be listening to this. Uh, look, she is a, what I will say, I'll be very diplomatic about this. She's a beautiful girl who deserves everything. And I will make sure that, uh, that time comes is the right time. That's right. I, you know, I hate to put you on the spot on that. Nah, dude. I, yeah, I loved it. You could test. You could test. Uh, She's going to love that. <laughs> I can hear her laughing already. <laughs> and I'll officiate it whenever you're ready. Mm. I'll, get, I'll get certified online or something like that. You're my boy, dude. I was right. looking out for me. <laughs> <laughs> so before we go, I call the show The Art of Being Well, which is an ethos that you and I both kind of try to hold in this sort of duality of the science of this stuff, the science of performance or the science of wellness or the science of functional medicine and the art of it. Like you said, like just being intuitive with your body and knowing when, how to adapt this into your life. So I am super curious about this. How, like, what's one of the biggest wisdoms that you live by or have learned about the art of being well? Yeah, uh, I've kind of touched on it throughout the podcast, man. I think if I focus solely on my health as what I eat and how I move, I'm failing because 
I think the art of being well encompasses so many different things. And so me going to, you know, train with my mates or play basketball or cook for my girlfriend or, you know, read a book. These things that I know help me prime myself for everything that I do. And the idea of doing what you love is, uh, you know, true for me because I'm, but I'm blessed that, you know, I've made it a career, but ultimately I still have to manage everything else in my life to make sure it's balanced. Right. So the art of being well for me, and this is the same as what success is to me. It is something where an individual is able to balance out all the, you know, all the parameters of physical, mental, spiritual, psychological, all in one and be super happy as a result. And that's what the art of being well is to me. Love it, man. Love you. I love you, bro. I can't be happier that you're on the show and we're friends. And this t- past year, 2020, I, I did not see you as much as I wanted to in person, but hopefully we'll be able to in person soon. Mate, we have to just, uh, I, what, I, what I thought we'd just do is just double down on 2021 and just keep playing catch up. I love it. <laughs> Thanks, my bro. Love this guy. If you want to learn more about Dan Churchill, you can check it all out at danchurchill.com. Pick up his cookbooks. They're so good. Check out his restaurant, Charlie Street, if you're in the New York area, and his podcast, The Epic Table. At the end of every episode, I'll be answering a question from one of you guys. Nothing is off limits. Ask me anything. And you can send your questions over to me on Instagram or Facebook. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have already come in on different food philosophies, wellness trends, and ways to approach overall mental, emotional, and physical health and well-being. Thanks for those. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else is on your mind. Now it's time for another Ask Me Anything. Today's question is from Alex. Alex asks, hi, Dr. Cole. I really struggle with painful bloating. What causes bloating? Great question, Alex. Well, there's a lot of potential reasons as to why someone could have bloating. We see bloating just like anything in health, pretty much. We see these symptoms as check engine lights. Like, you know, when a check engine light comes on in a car, you see the check engine lights on, but there's a whole myriad of different variables that could be at play that's causing that check engine light to be on. So obviously with bloating, that's a specific type of check engine light. So it narrows it down a little bit, but we still have to get a good differential perspective from a diagnostic and a health history standpoint to know what's underneath that hood on a proverbial level. What's dysfunctional, what's imbalanced, what's misfiring, what is at play here on a physiological level that's giving rise to bloating, which you're right, I'm so sorry, it can be painful and it's a struggle. It's one of the top cases that I see clinically when I'm consulting people at my functional medicine telehealth center is bloating. It's it's sometimes it's random, sometimes it's connected to foods that people eat, sometimes it's, you know, fine in the morning but it's progressively worse as the day progresses. Sometimes it's around your menstrual cycle if you're a cycling female. There's a lot of different variables when it comes to someone's specific types of bloating. So let's talk about some of the things that I see clinically as to what can drive painful bloating or uncomfortable bloating. Number 1, and this is not in order of, you know, likelihood, right? I don't know your case, Alex. So I'm not talking about specifically to you. I'm just saying, just generally, I'm going through the list. Number one, someone could have a FODMAP intolerance. FODMAPs are 
is an acronym that stands for fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. These are types of fermentable sugars that can be found in foods like onions and cabbage and garlic and beans and apples and different grains uh, like wheat, rye, barley, spelt, these type of things. If somebody has SIBO, which we'll talk about in a second, or even just dysbiosis, they could, meaning some bacterial overgrowth or yeast or fungal overgrowth, they can have some semblance or some level of a FODMAP intolerance, meaning these the bacteria that's that's overgrowing in the gut or the, the some sort of dysbiosis imbalance in the mi- microbiome is really overconsuming the sugars, the fermentable sugars in these foods, and it's contributing and driving up the bloating. So you have to deal with what's causing the FODMAP intolerance, but it could definitely be a component of that. I talk about that in the inflammation spectrum if you want to read a book about that. And there's tons of free content and, and resources at drwillcole.com. The other thing to consider when you're talking about bloating is someone just eating way too fast. So make sure you're chewing um, your food properly. Make sure you're taking it easy, making sure that you are properly um, helping your digestive system out by properly breaking down your food in your mouth. And that's where digestion begins. It's in the mouth. So eat slower, make sure you're chewing your food and don't rush when you are eating. Uh, Next idea or uh, possibility that I see clinically is that you're sleeping and eating at weird times. Your sleep's not optimal and you're eating late at night. Uh, That can definitely, your parasympathetic resting and digesting system could be off because your body's more in a sympathetic fight or flight state. And that could definitely impact your microbiome circadian rhythm. So I talk about this exciting research in intuitive fasting in my newest book, where certain colonies of bacteria are higher in the morning, some are higher in the evening. So if you're constantly eating and snacking throughout the day, if you're eating late at night, if you're not sleeping well, that microbiome circadian rhythm, that wave-like ocean rhythm of all the gut bacteria can be thrown off and that could be contributing to a disruption of the gut microbiome circadian rhythm can be causing uh, some bloating. Another possibility to think about is you're eating when you're too stressed out. Going back to that sympathetic fight or flight state, that can definitely impair proper digestion and absorption, and that can call maldigestive, malabsorptive things that can drive bloating. So really deal with stress, which can impact your body in many different ways. A large part of it has to do with the impact it could have on the gut-brain axis. Remember, your gut is your second brain. 95% of serotonin is made in the gut, stored in the gut. Think of your intestines. It even looks like a brain. It's your second brain. And when you're stressed out, meaning like mental, emotional, life stress, it can wreak havoc on the gut and cause the gut to be in this stress state, this second brain, your second brain to be in this stressed state, which can drive bloating. Uh, So implement some stress reduction exercises, really lean into creating healthy margins in your life. So to make your life sustainable. So whatever is possible for you, I know that some stressors you can't completely control, but that's where meditation comes in and and really practices of mindfulness to really cultivate some peace and stillness into your life. Another thing to think about when it comes to bloating is our sugar-free even natural sugar-free sweeteners. So things like stevia or stevia and monk fruit, um, these sugar alcohols like xylitol and mannitol can definitely drive 
bloating as well because they shift the gut microbiome. So there's these can be healthy sweeteners and there's nothing inherently wrong with them, but depending too much on these natural low-carb sweeteners like stevia or stevia, monk fruit, xylitol, other sugar alcohols can definitely cause some bloating for people too. Another thing to consider is maybe you need more good bacteria. So if you're low on some good beneficial colonies of bacteria like lactobacillus, bifidobacterium, maybe consider bringing in a probiotic, which can help encourage healthy bacterial diversity and a balance of these beneficial bacteria that, that will help your body digest and break foods down. Another thing that I see clinically, obviously, is SIBO, which can drive things like FODMAP intolerance, which I mentioned earlier. But SIBO is another acronym that stands for Small Intestinal Bacterial Overgrowth, or SIBO. Uh, and I also see CFO, Small Intestinal Fungal Overgrowth, as well. But it's due to some impairment of what's called the, we love acronyms in functional medicine, the MMC, the Migrating Motor Complex. It's this wave-like motion of your intestines that keeps bacteria pushed down into the large intestine. But if there's a lack or a dysfunction of that migrating motor complex, the MMC, that can cause bacteria to start to grow like weeds growing in this gut garden into the small intestine, which can drive things like bloating. And SIBO is connected to other things like IBS or irritable bowel syndrome. It's linked to acid reflux and GERD and indigestion. And it's also associated with different autoimmune issues as well. So we run labs, we drop ship labs wherever people are at in the world to look at what type of SIBO it is. Cause you can have methane dominant, hydrogen dominant, you can have hydrogen sulfide, different types of SIBO, and we can differentiate those and correspondingly build a protocol uh, specific to those lab results based on those labs and see what type of SIBO it, it is. Uh, we talk about that in the episode with Phoebe Lapine. So if you haven't checked out the episode on the art of being well, check out the episode with Phoebe Lapine. I uh, love that episode. And I wrote the foreword to her SIBO Made Simple book. So it's a great resource for people. And again, if you want to run labs, you can check it all out at drwillcole.com. And last but not least, if you're struggling with bloating, that's just not getting better, check out the possibility that there could be an underlying food sensitivity or food intolerance. So some sort of immune mediated issue, some uh, like underlying food sensitivity or an enzyme deficiency. So if someone has lactose intolerance, it's not immune mediated, but it's an enzyme deficiency where you're not making enough lactase or any other type of food intolerance, which is an enzyme deficiency. So maybe digestive enzymes can be helpful for the more of the intolerances. But if it is immune mediated, like a food sensitivity or a reactivity, then we have to remove those food those foods for a time at least to start to rebuild uh, an immune resilience. Uh, so your body's not creating inflammation and disturbances from those foods. So there can be number of even healthy foods that could be problematic. So looking at legumes, nuts and seeds, dairy, grains, eggs, soy, uh, gluten, obviously with the, the protein in certain grains, all of those foods can be fine for some people, but cause reactions in other people. This is, this is the heart of functional medicine. It's bio-individuality. You may do fine with some of those foods. Maybe someone else can't. So labs can help illuminate the specifics of your unique case. Um, and obviously a good elimination diet, which I talk about in the inflammation spectrum, if you want to do it on your own, or we of course can build a protocol specific to your case. 
Great question, Alex. Hopefully it wasn't too much. You can go back and repeat this section and maybe slow it down on your uh, podcast players to, to um, take it all in a second time. I know it's a lot, but thanks so much for the question. That's it for today. Thanks again for hanging out with me. I would love to know what you think about the art of being well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back again next Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon.